You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Yeah, what a whirlwind of a week it's been. I have not really driven in seven years. I think Craig told you all that, and then I drove 10 hours on Monday. I uh, got most of it out of the way, and then four on Tuesday. Got to John and Virginia Hornsby's house, and they've been incredible hosts. So I want to thank them, just in front of you all. But most importantly, I want to thank Craig Smalley here. Craig is the one who convinced me to come down, who showed me around in late October, early November when I was here incognito in the pews, and I was trying not to let anyone know what I was up to, uh, but some of you found out anyway. So, once again, thank you so much for being here. It is a privilege, especially because I'm a huge Paul Zoll fan, and knowing that he preached from this pulpit, some of you know who he is, some of you don't, uh, it's just a joy and an honor. So that said, it's not really about Craig, it's not really about me, we're talking about Christ here. So today... We are in the second Sunday of the season of Epiphany. Last week, we talked about the baptism of Jesus. And this week, we're talking about his very first miracle. A question I've got to get out of the way right away. Why in the world, for John's first miracle, why does he present Jesus turning water into wine. If you're familiar with the Gospel of John at all, the miracles are called signs. That's a big clue for us. And the very first of the seven signs that he gives us is this episode in Cana, Jesus turning the water into wine. Now, a lot of the other miracles seem very important, right? People are sick. Folks are oppressed. There is some real crises happening. But for his very first sign, John gives us Jesus turning water into wine, something that seems so frivolous to you and me. I mean, think about it. The the biggest crisis that's going to happen here is the host is embarrassed. And, I mean, we all hate this, but the party has got to stop. I also wonder why the lectionary creators on this Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, again, for a man so important for the USA, why, again, such a frivolous-seeming miracle? I'm here today, as you probably already guessed, to tell you that this is not a frivolous miracle. And it's not frivolous for two reasons. The first reason is very quick, and it's this. You and I so often think that we need to be going about fixing the world. And there's a lot wrong with our world, and all of our efforts are not in vain because of what Christ has done. But this miracle, seemingly frivolous, shows us that weddings, that hospitality, dinners, conversation, These things are important in God's sight. These things are what actually makes life worth living. So, of course, Jesus heals the sick. He frees the enslaved. But he's also 
sharing with us just the beauty and the extravagance of just throwing parties and being human. That's the first thing. The second thing, and the more important thing, is that when we think of wine in the scriptures, we need to look at both testaments. Not just the New Testament, right? We, we might think ahead forward to the eschatological wedding feast that we're all invited to. But we've also got to look backward to the scriptures that Jesus knew. Wine in both testaments is so often a picture of the restoration of the people of God. People of God, the Israelites, so often are in trouble. Sometimes it's because of foreign invaders and oppressors, and other times, like you and me, we got ourselves into this business. Wine, though, when we read the Old Testament, it's a symbol, it's a picture of the glory of what it will be like when we are finally free of every shackle that holds us down. Don't take my word for it. Here, I'll give you two verses, but these are two of many. In the book of Amos, he writes, the days are coming, declares the Lord. New wine will drip from the mountains and throw from all the hills. I will bring my people, Israel, back from exile. You see that? The return from exile is shown in the picture of wine dripping from the mountains and the hills. In the book of Isaiah, he writes this, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. That's the part we know. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Isaiah is saying to you and me that at that great day when the people of God are delivered, we will buy the finest wines without money, without cost. Think, too, about how God talks about God's relationship with his people in the Old Testament and in the New. We're here, we're at a wedding. What is the image given to us, God and humans? It's a covenant It is a wedding of sorts. And this wine symbolizes the party of the wedding. It symbolizes that that covenant relationship that has been broken at times is being restored once and for all, unlike ever before. The people of God at this time, they are waiting for this long-expected Messiah. They've been waiting so long, and they're beginning to give up hope. And that's what we're supposed to see in this episode. The wine has run out. The guests are getting parched. They're going to have to give up on the party. But at just the right time, in the fullness of time, Christ is has come upon the scene. And what does he do? He gives them an abundance. Five, six cisterns, 20 to 30 gallons full. This is enough new, best wine to feed the entire town. God in Jesus has come. He's restoring his relationship with his people, and it is a party. This is a picture of what awaits you and me, and we get glimpses of it in this life, but we will taste it in its fruition 
when he comes again. My friends, Martin Luther King Jr. had a friend named Andrew Young who came to Birmingham and he has an autobiography entitled A Way Out of No Way. And I just love that because that's a picture of God's dealing with God's people. Think about it. Think about the creation, right? Something out of nothing. Think of barren Hannah, a baby out of nothing. Think of just a few weeks ago, the Virgin Mary, a way where there was no way. And what all of these signs, again, John presents them as signs, not so much miracles. All of these signs are pointing to the ultimate way out of no way, which is his death and resurrection, where this covenant relationship once and for all, despite all of our junk, is made whole. Friends, it's too good to be true. And it's not just true for the ancient Israelites. It's not just true for the people of Jesus' day. Our Lord's character, the living God, is the one who makes a way out of no way in your life and my life today. Friends, the, the same Lord who parted the Red Sea waters, the same Lord who rose our Lord Jesus Christ from the grave is alive today in you and me. Now, I don't know what you have been longing for. Like the ancient Israelites of old, they were in great expectation for so long and they were about to give up all hope. And I bet you that there are some of you in this room today who are at a similar spot. And I can tell you, I've been at a similar spot in periods of my life and not just before I was a priest. This Lord comes at the right time, in the fullness of time, and he is making a way out of no way in your life. Ultimately, he's made that way by reconciling you and me to him no matter what we've done or what we will do. But this also pertains to our everyday lives. This Lord is resurrecting us in our stupor in the day to day. This abundant life, this wine flowing from the mountains is flowing onto you and me and it gives us hope when everything's hitting the fan, when our lives are out of control, or we're not sure if we should go left or right, this same Lord is there who was at the wedding in Cana. And we can trust that he is on the move, that he is up to something, and that he is making a way when it seems like all the ways are closed. So not this week, but next week, when you take communion and you take of that wine, this is a picture of what happened at Cana. And it's a picture of what he's dumping onto you and dumping onto me. And that is all of his grace, all of his mercy, and all of his healing. Thanks be to God. Amen.
You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you will join us at one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.